0: It's 6.27pm.
1: And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. (laughs) And I'm Simon (laughs) Sandspring.
2: So there we go. That was... uh, Sorry, now we both decided to quickly go um either grab refreshments or other things before we started so we made it we made it back to the microphones in time we and we
1: did <laughs> just in the nick of time excellent so how goes it lizard brethren welcome to the uh yes welcome to the uh the world of gates
2: yes so um i went for my first uh, jab yesterday so um i had my first vaccine fantastic experience military precision queuing up in the in the car park um in Kingston Crescent, um and um, and then literally kind of in the door and and, and out again <laughs> in in between time, rolling up a sleeve um, and being jabbed in the arm. So um yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um my thanks. It actually it was almost a bit tearful for me. I kind of it was all that kind of like I don't know, very kind of active Britishness. Oh, oh dear, thank you so much. Um but yeah, it does and thank you to everybody involved for, for making that a reality. It's um a really good sign. A really, really good sign.
1: Yeah, incredible, isn't it? This weekend, we've all half the adults in the UK have now had their first suck the sauce bottle, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're ticking them off one by one. So, your sister, my wife, is uh, joining Team Lizard yeah, on Tuesday. Tuesday?
2: Yes, so that's like
1: nearly the whole family done.
2: Well, the, of that, they, well, actually, the whole family of that generation kind of done. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah. somehow we're still not quite sure how noah managed to get someone to jump the queue my 17 year old but he's sorted now um so it's only tom my 20 year old son and i think um
2: yeah yeah chloe my 21 year old daughter hasn't hasn't had hers but um,
1: no no they're they're more towards the back of the queue. yes yes, rightfully so yes so i
2: think she prefers a different kind of shots
1: exactly Exactly. Ah, oh, back the day when a man can pour a flaming sambuca in his eye—that's how uh, oh, I've missed those. No, I haven't. I've never liked a shot. It's, I've never understood it. No, I, do, I uh, don't.
2: I don't get the idea of suddenly becoming yeah out of control. I'd rather to kind. Of, I'd rather gently kind of climb towards insozzlement.
1: Exactly that. Exactly that. So, how's the rest of your week been?
2: Uh, it's been great. Uh, another another good week at work. Great people. Learning more stuff getting things done um it's I, t- I don't know it i thought it was gonna be i thought i was gonna be anxious actually to be fair after after it being two and a half years since I worked somewhere out other than being um being able to work from home um but that's not actually the case um it's really easy to get the bus every morning um they do a testing regime at work so you get a um you you get tested once a week um and you know everything's cleaned within an inch of its life so um yeah it's um i'm yeah, I, I, you know, it, it does make a difference. Actually, I don't know. It's just the simple thing of actually coming home and getting changed out of, you know, obviously the yeah. outfit that I've worked. I was going to say costume, but I didn't. You know, I don't go to, I don't go to work dressed as a Mario brother or something. Um, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's I'm I'm enjoying it. It's going really well. Excellent. How about your How about your week? Your week? You've been on holiday this week.
1: Yeah, halfway through a two week holiday, we've been decluttering we've been uh and and it's been it's been lovely actually it's um we just kind of sorted the we we finished the kitchen um and it was just nice I'd, we live on the same estate and there's a look you know i don't need this stuff anymore is it any use to anybody and so i stuck one of our garden benches out on the drive stuck the stuff out there and you know again i was very we were very open about it some of it was a little bit banged up, but if it did somebody a turn, happy days gone. Eighty percent of it gone within half a day.
2: Brilliant. As long as Nicola didn't think you were one of the things that she's no, with and out no. But again, it collect. was there
1: was not. We we tackled the cupboard of almost certain death, as it's known. Oh and dear, everyone has one. Yeah, yeah. There were items in there that I we owned an electric omelette maker.
2: Why the bloody hell does anybody need an electric? Omelet? No,
1: no one seen sure. It never been used, so um, I can't think so why. It's, it it yeah, it's gone on now to allow somebody else to make. To... So yes, decent week, and obviously, on this day, twenty twenty one. Yes, we all got to fill in our census. Uh, yes. Oh, that's very true. Yes.
2: So um, I did mine the other night because um, you know, um, no, nothing was going to change in the space of time um between now between then and uh between then and tonight so i thought i'd get it out of the way because i thought otherwise it would be a rush on the 21st and then i'll feel awful for for not remembering to do it but um but yes, yeah, so if you haven't done your census already please we implore you it's very very important important things like um council- local services depend on knowing how many people are where and what they're doing um and if you haven't if you haven't got a tracker jab sorry no if you um no if you um please if you haven't filled it in already please it's honestly it takes ten minutes it's really easy
1: if there's four near adults in the house, it takes a little bit longer but um yeah, yeah. no it's not difficult and again, it was that weird thing where we did ours online, and it was that element of well that's naturally you would. But if you look back at the 2011 census, mm, this is the I don't first believe there was online. an online
2: option. No, there, no, there wasn't. I mean, I don't think um, was. It, I, I mean, I think internet use was widespread at that point, but probably nothing like we consider it now. But um, but no, I, I think you're right. This is the first time there has been an online option to complete the census. Um, so that's really really good. And um, I know that the ONS has been um, has been employing loads of people to make sure that that runs smoothly um so um yeah good luck for everybody involved please yep. do remember to do it it's really really important um and the other thing you've been doing this week is trying to trying to get hold of people to um to line up for our virtual oh, hustings. the
1: virtual hustings good lord local politicians it's like herding cats um <laughs> although we've got two in the diary now so our policy has been if we get two of the candidates who put their hands up and say yes then we will pencil that in so the fourth of April is Paulsgrove Port Solent, the eleventh of April is Eastnean Craneswater, and the eighteenth of April is Police and Crime Commissioner. So if you are politically active as many of our listeners are, please can you just give your local councillor or your local candidate a nudge if they are in either Paulsgrove, ENC, Milton, Central South Sea. And Charles Dickens. If we do get all five, it's going to give us a few logistical problems, but we'd rather have that than yeah. not hear people
2: speak. It would be a weird hustings if no one turned up.
1: Yeah, and I think there's the, you know, it's an interesting one because we obviously are very mindful that we are open with our political coloration, but uh, the hustings will be us simply providing a platform and some space for the candidates to, A, give their perspective on why they want to serve. And B, answer the questions that, for all councillors, there's not going to be looking to catch anybody out, nope. um, you know, or, or try and yank anybody's trousers down virtually. It is simply a chance to, for people to discuss the issues that affect Portsmouth.
2: Yeah. And if you, likewise, if you are a resident and hopefully a registered voter in those wards, I think there's still time for you to register to vote if you're not um, then um, please do submit either on our event page or by messaging us directly or by emailing us at Pompey Politics Podcast or one word, at gmail.com. Let us know which ward that question is for and if you do live in the ward because um, although questions from people outside the ward won't be excluded, we do think it's probably a better thing to prioritise questions from people living in the ward because these are their candidates. Um, and this is their chance to, to kind of get them to speak. But we'll be fair. Every each candidate will have um, have some time at the beginning to make an opening statement. Each question will be uh, has to be one that we can ask to all candidates, yep. and they'll all have the same amount of allotted time to answer each question. And they'll have time the same amount of time to make a closing statement. So in that in that respect, um, it's really down to them to say yes if they'd like to, which would be really great. And if you're a candidate and you've got some questions or concerns. Please give us a bell, because we're we're honestly not frightening. Anybody that's that's been on will tell you that we're actually quite soft and cuddly. Um, and, Especially um, me. Yeah. Um, sorry, I think the line dropped out. Then um, so <laughs> I think Mark Zuckerberg nearly just cancelled us. Um, so yeah, please please do. So let's um, let's move swiftly on on this day. Yes. So uh, 1933, day of. Um the day of Potsdam in Nazi Germany, a ceremony to open the new Reichstag after the fire in February, which um which was attended by Adolf Hitler and um Paul von Hindenburg, the uh, president of Germany. Um so they shake hands in public. But um hmm. <sighs> Weirdly enough, on the same day in nineteen forty-three, there was an assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler.
1: But really, you don't know, somebody would have got him sooner than that. But.
2: You'd have thought, but Tom Cruise let us down.
1: Yeah, he uh, is a letdown, though. In Tom Cruise, um, he annoys yeah. me. He
2: can, awesome. afford, he can afford better lawyers than I can, so I'm going to be careful. Yeah, I yeah, know. Um, I've fact...
1: just never forgiven him for the Jack Reacher thing.
2: Um, yeah, but Jack Reacher's meant to be kind of really tall, and Tom Cruise isn't.
1: So Jack Reacher is my favourite fictional character, and he's six foot five and 18 stones. So who would cast Tom Cruise at five foot five and eight stone as Jack Reacher? Answer, Jack Re- um, Tom Cruise's production company bought the rights to the Jack Reacher series, and he cast himself.
2: Well, of course, that's what you can do if you're the if you own yeah, a, if you own your yeah, own production yeah, company. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, be, I don't know that he's eight stone. I mean, that would be really unhealthy weight yeah, for him. But nonetheless, not um, we're yeah. not going to obsess over people's weight. We're not oh. that kind of we're not that kind of organisation. 1947, U.S. President Harry Truman signs Executive Order Order 9835, requiring all federal employees to have allegiance to the United States. Hopefully, no administrations over here are taking hints on that. 1963, Alcatraz Prison and San Francisco Bay is closed. Because apparently it's not a good idea to send people to be locked up on an island. Mm. Mm. People on the Isle of Wight are, cl- are yeah. glad of that conclusion, I guess. Um, we are obviously both off the island, so unless there's a
1: big old prison on the Isle of White though, isn't
2: there? Yeah, but it's not the whole island, is it?
1: Mm, some say.
2: Mm, um, okay, well, there's our listenership dropping by, like, the one person a month that listens from the other way. Um in 2013 the European Space Agency reveals new data that indicates that the universe is 13.82 billion years old. You know, cause Yeah,
1: and, and that's one of those things which science, real science hardcore science nerds get excited about, but a couple of billion either way, I'd forgive them. I don't think it's got a great deal of bearing on my uh, my day-to-day existence.
2: Yeah, but if it was a, you know, if it was a student loan, it would make a difference, wouldn't it? So yeah, true. Um so in, sorry, it's the whole leave. universe We're was there. in a hot dense state, but nearly 14 billion years ago expansion started. Wait. Anyway. 2019 New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda ardern announces a ban on military-style semi-automatic weapons just six days after the Christchurch Christchurch terrorist attack. Um
1: so apparently, dark, America. Dark, is, day, dark day in New Zealand's history, that one, wasn't it? It, it was, uh,
2: but America apparently is possible to put controls on semi automatic weapons if you want to. Oh,
1: you, you can, but not in America. No. Oh, yeah. Let, oh, let's not go there. Oh. You know, there's. What's American handgun- or the subject? Did you know that there are four handguns for every American citizen in the US?
2: I, I didn't know the stat, but I guessed that that was probably the case. You know, yeah. I, I'd, I'd assumed that they were there would because of the number of guns that gun fetishists have there's more likely to be more guns than per capita than there is per capita but there we go that was on this day i've been simon sansbury so we move on
1: (laughs) i think we should so the highlights the edited highlights of the council meeting last week we we picked a few motions and uh and uh yeah so how did every how did how did it all end up then, Simon? Talk us through it, blow by blow.
2: We picked a few motions, and nobody make, made a joke about the motions, considering they were one of the items being discussed was was dumping of sewage. There's, I'm sorry, there's yep, the little kid yep, in the yep, fam- family sh- show chuckled yep. about Snig- that. Snigger, sorry. snigger,
1: poo joke. Well done.
2: <laughs> sorry, we've set the level. Um, yes, right, it's, it's, it's there. So, OK, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the ones that we'd, we'd picked out last week were um, Motion 15A, which was the um, calling on, basically calling on our local MPs to support the Climate, Emergency and Environment Bill. Um, and um, the other one that we discussed was the question uh, about uh, la, 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 thanking, we, we talked about um, there was a Conservative motion to thank the government for the rollout of the vaccine and the other one that we spent some time on was um was um 15g which was the right to food which came from the labour labour group so we kind of picked one from each yep we thought that was you know in bbc star that was balanced
1: yeah and if if everybody accuses us of being biased then again in the same way as the bbc we've got to be doing something right so so uh, mm. should we start with climate yes yeah,
2: so let's start with the climate so um should we should we play a couple of clips yeah so yeah yeah let's treat treat the audience with someone else's voice than ours um so we have um i'm going to play the climate um i'm just going to make sure i've got actually the right video lined up so i'm going to play the the climate clips so um what we're going to hear is um so we're going to hear uh, councillor will purvis um introduce the motion then we've got councillor atkins um, speaking to the motion, and I forget who it was after that, but I'll introduce them. Um, there is, if you hear a bong sound, as in that sounds a bit like a sensor beep, that's not us going mad and um, and the councillor's concerned swearing and us cutting that out because they 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 were restrained enough not to swear in the meeting. Um, that's just me indicating that I've abridged their comments. So if it's the same person speaking, it doesn't make I, I don't what I don't want to make it sound like is that they I've cut out some of their some of their language without it being clear that i've cut out some of it because i think it's fair to say up front that bit's been edited that makes sense yeah go go press the big red button uh the climate emergency is real uh, a matter of months ago really before covid overtook all the other considerations it was the young people of our city who stood on the steps of the guild hall they were crying out for us and other politicians to take action on the climate crisis but since then this has become a rallying cry across the political and social spectrum when you see a call for a green revolution on the front page of the Express and only this week our own local paper The News launched their support for the Climate Action Board that we set up to make Portsmouth a greener city, then this is not a niche issue nor is it owned by any party or campaign group.
3: We as a Labour group are of course passionate about the need for urgent action to tackle the climate and ecological emergency and we along with the city's Labour MP Stephen Morgan support the aims of the bill. And whilst of course we support the intention of the motion, it is somewhat disingenuous and naive to think what is of course merely a presentation bill could be enacted into law by this government. There will be no votes on the matters contained within the bill, and only a very small number of private members' bills ever come become law, these being ones that have been supported by the government. What the bill does do, however, is to help draw attention to the issue which requires real change at law
2: okay so that was the new leader of National the Labour group.
3: And we are is the Councilor only Atkins country in Europe from that is currently proposing to ban uh, petrol cars by 2030 we have the uh, aim to be carbon neutral by 2050 we are actually one of the most ambitious countries in the world and and I appreciate that for the green lobby you can never go far enough
4: It's been said today. There's a lot of pandering. There's an election coming up. You've got got people trying to basically own the green agenda. Fine. Let whoever's voting for you decide on that. But I think that one of the things um, which we've actually already spoken on today that we've seen deputations made about. Was with regards to southern water and i think that actually some of these more local environmental issues are far more important than um, some of the things that we could shout about that mps in westminster are actually charged and elected and paid to deal with um, and the discharges into um, Langstone harbour for example i think are a massive concern and then when you add into the mix the problems with aquins as well and of course, I think we would all prefer that they would have gone up through the harbour um, with, with this ongoing saga that they have. It's a bit of a, a maelstrom of trouble when you look at the whole ecological um, issue that we're currently faced with. It's almost like a perfect storm. And for me, I think those are the things that we should be concentrating
2: on. So, um
1: yeah, a so c- a case of violent agreement there, really, isn't it? That, that, you know, that, uh, there is an element of, and I, I do think it is. It is fascinating that the green agenda um, has has gone, has I think, transcended party politics. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it has definitely gone
2: mainstream, quote unquote. Um, so it's definitely not a. Not a fringe issue anymore. Um, and indeed, to to some degree, um, environmentalists might express a frustration that with all parties pretty much actually claiming to have um, green creden- credentials, um, it's a bit. I think greenwash is the is the phrase that that some some of them might use with regards to that. So there's, I think there's a. I think um, there's there's kind of a there's a point there of actually. To some degree, actually, it's quite healthy that environmental groups are holding holding whatever administration and whatever um, authority to account um, and actually challenging them to do more um, and ever ever more because it's only by, you know, because let's be honest, we can't rest on our laurels and think, okay, th- this, this is kind of enough. Um, but there was kind of like a bit of a political to and fro with regard to, so the motion effectively called on the council to say hey our two local MPs one of which um, would normally be in in the meeting but um, i think uh, if i remember correctly uh, Stephen morgan wasn't um, in this part of the this part of this m- of the meeting um, to um, to basically agree to there's a there, you know basically there's an online agreement to um, there's i think 101 um, MPs that have signed up to say that they're they're going to vote to support the um, the Climate Emergency and Environment Bill. Um, Labour were pointing out that um, it's an early-day motion, so that doesn't mean that the government's actually um, required to enact it into law. Um, And also the Conservatives pointed out that actually, as a member of the government, um, Penny Morden MP, is actually precluded from signing up to early-day motions. Um, And then there was a debate, uh, sorry, a bit of an exchange with regards to... Um, has there been some sort of um, whip or steer from the Labour front bench to the same effect? Um, and Labour claiming that um, that wasn't the case, but that they were also excluded from being able to do that. And there were, you know, conversations about, well, hang on, hasn't Keir Starmer so, um, signed up to an early day motion last year? Et All of that kind of to and throwing, But really fundamentally, actually, I think Rob's um, councillor news point there is, these are things that actually our national government deals with, mm. and what and it, and this is the question that's posed: What is the effect of the council saying, um, calling on the MPs, which are who are answerable to the to the voters of the city rather than to the council? Yep. Um, hey, go vote a particular way in Parliament. I think there's a there's an interesting interesting thing there
1: yeah i i think so and again with all three of the 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 motions you could you know it it depends which hat you want to wear but you could be a little bit cynical about all three of them but i think there's an element of of you know that setting your stall out clearly is is something which is good and i thought uh, for for me councillor new was right to 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 say perhaps there are areas closer to home where you know the council and local political parties, and I think you know we've had the Stop Our quint team on twice, um, you know, which is has become a very cross party, you know, a cross party position to do what's right for Portsmouth. So, based on all the chat, then Simon, was there were there any amendments proposed?
2: So there was a, an amendment from the from the Labour group, um which the proposer, which was. um but because it's p- the motion was proposed from the Lib Dems, so um, the proposer was Will Purvis, and he didn't accept the um, the amendment from the Labour group. But then the Council group, uh, sorry, the Council actually voted to accept um, the amendment twenty one for seventeen against with three abstentions. Um, so it was the um, I think it was the PPP and um, the independent uh, councillor um, Ferret that voted uh, that abstained. Um, but yeah, so that actually amendment was then subsumed into the motion. Um, and then the motion overall with the amendment was then passed by Ascension. So conversation, disagreement, point scoring, chuck about, then everybody agrees.
1: So can you, and again, not trying to put you on the spot, what what was the Labour amend? what amendment did Labour want?
2: Um, that is trying to put me on the spot because I... <laughs> you can't remember no No. but
1: ultimately it can't have been that offensive because everybody then said oh let's just go on then no
2: without calling to the detail i think it called on there being specific elements that um that needed to to, to, um, that needed to be addressed uh and about basically um not enough kind of being done going forward i think it kind of also teased out a further conversation uh that councillor Weemis um contributed to about the concern of so part of and part of the the um the language for the bill uh, talks about um putting in citizens assemblies so the right. qu- the question was about how valid is that of a, as a decision-making body and yep. does that override the democratically elected decision-making bodies that we have does that in in and of itself even though obviously those are members of the public is that is that something that is a concern or or not so it's um so it's um it's a I think there's some stuff to tease out there about process. Yeah. And some stuff to tease out there about look, it seems that everybody wants to do something. They're not necessarily quite sure on exactly what and how and when. But everybody agrees that something should happen. Um yeah. but from a mechanics
1: <laughs> Not sure how. Not sure. Is, yeah. Isn't it the is it isn't it the uh isn't that a beautiful allegory of local politics as a whole? Everyone agrees that stuff needs to be done. No one can quite agree how they need to do the stuff. What, so. what, yeah.
2: What, what do we want doing? We want stuff done. When do we want it? And um,
1: um, 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 how do we want um, it? Um, yeah, it could be a bit pricey. So that one's through. How did uh, how did motion number two?
2: So the well, the second one that we discussed was the um, was the conservative motion um, um, calling on the council to thank the government for the vaccination rollout. Yep. Um, and the Conservatives uh, pulled that motion, um, so it wasn't discussed. Oh. That's strange. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I literally can't speak to something that doesn't have any conversation from the council. It's one of those rare occasions where there's... Even I can't talk about things that didn't happen.
1: No. what, what a very strange and odd thing to do. I'm... Uh... Just to be fair, I, I guess, yeah. Well, well, nothing to say really, is it? No, um,
2: um, I, and as far as I'm aware, there weren't amendments submitted. That you know, because um, sometimes if if a party would put forward a motion, other parties will effectively poison that motion by suggesting amendments that the other, the original party would know would get passed, and therefore actually make the make the motion as a, as a whole distasteful enough to the party that proposed the motion so therefore if you see what i mean so they might they might yeah, a no, and no there, there was no, a, so, there yeah. was
1: a lot of that done during the during some of the brexit stuff where you know people would put on amendments that then get voted down which would be that oh they've just voted against the not battering kittens with a stick amendment and it's like oh god yeah so okay well well i'm gonna say thanks to the government anyway because more than half of the of the uh the uk Adult population vaccinated by the third weekend in March is bloody good stuff. And um, and hopefully we're not going to get into a massive scuffle over vaccine availability with our old partner in the EU. Uh, so whilst we've divorced, this is not ar- arguing about who gets the CD collection, is it?
2: Uh, no, but yes. So um, I'll thank the government for having the wisdom to let the NHS manage it
1: now
2: right um so um there we go um is that like a paraphrasing of a ricky gervais joke
1: uh, ricky gervais isn't a funny man i don't, don't rate him never have
2: um yes um I- indeed um scott peter harris points out that there's a bit of the conversation that we missed yes um sorry scott but uh, an hour long conversation that we can't abridge in like five minutes we didn't discuss discuss about that because there are other angles to that which possibly are worth discussing in other shows but um we had to kind of trim which, to some descript- to some to some degree
1: which and which one is this is this the the first one
2: uh so um, he's talking about the first one cool so apart- yeah, yeah, yeah. No.
1: no and the challenge is always when we do these things is we try and bring balance and and different representations to this and you know we are we didn't discuss when it finally all finished, but um, yeah, we're usually trying to cram yes. eight hours plus. Something, into the third something has
2: to end up on the on the digital cutting room floor, I'm afraid. Exactly. Um, so the other motion that we talked about last week was the right to food, which was brought forward by the Labour group. Yep. Um, and I and I also have some some clips there. And let me. Yeah. yeah. So um s- for to start off, we've got uh Councillor Tom Coles um basically opening op- is part of his opening statement. Um and then he's followed by um Councillor Atkins, Councillor Stubbs, Councillor Norton, and then Councillor Horton and then Councillor Col- um Councillor Coles, then uh closes off uh the conversation. So let's listen to that quickly.
5: We live in a very wealthy country, yet every day millions of people have to rely on food banks to ensure their children can get a decent meal. Many of these people are in work. However, due to a variety of factors such as low wages and high rents are unable to provide, 11 million Britons are living in food poverty. For them, a choice has to be made on a daily basis between eating or having the heating on.
3: Um, Because we have to think about the the multifaceted reasons why people end up going hungry in this country. And, and it's just too simplistic to say that the only reason is the rate of benefits. Uh, and the government has committed throughout the pandemic to providing food vouchers. It responded in the end to Marcus Rashford's campaign exactly the way that everyone wanted, as well as putting a huge sum of money available to the councils across the country to provide for food. It's throughout the crisis paid an uplift of £20 pounds in universal credit. We can say yes, we can call it the government's responsibility to to feed children throughout school holidays, but ultimately if they have parents who are addicted to drugs, if they have parents who don't engage with the system, the government, unless social services reach those children, unless they find them, they're not going to get fed. It's it's not actually the case that the government can solve all of the problems of the world, um, or necessarily put food on every plate across the country.
5: It's important for everyone to bear in mind that the cost of food has never been lower in all of human history. That's, I mean, I have a report in front of me now from the Institute of Fiscal Studies, which shows that in 1977, uh, a typical household spent 25% of its income on food. By 2010, that had dropped to 15%. If it was me and I was short of food, I'd buy an enormous bag of rice. Now, you say, well, that's not a great meal, but it is something, and there's no reason, there is no reason why people cannot afford to eat. Um, and, you know, we get this narrative all of the time uh, from the left. I mean, who'd have, have you believe that we are living in a Dickensian society uh, where things are falling to pieces, uh, where people can't afford to eat and can't afford to buy clothes, and everything's going to hell in the handbasket? But the fact is that, as I said, food has never been cheaper, and this country as a whole has never been richer. Look, my father in the um, middle 1950s went on, a, spent some time in Ireland and traveling around Ireland and rural Ireland, and he, says the bag, he said that back then you would see children without shoes. Now, you never saw that in London even then, but you you did in Ireland, and that is what poverty looks like. Poverty of that era has just completely gone Uh, and I think we should recognize that um, and celebrate it, quite honestly.
6: Uh, And I'm going to go from a child perspective here because the campaign is heavily driven um, around the image of children going hungry. Um, All the money provided to make sure that no child goes hungry and then the disappointment that we had from charities after the last wave of hysteria who made meals only for none to be collected. Um, So after a a quick bit of research, I got to the bottom of this and of course it's a union-driven campaign isn't it, from Unite the Union. If the motion... um, Uh, looked at the relationship that we have as a a country with food if it spoke about the fact that you know 30 percent of uh, our adults are obese and it tackled the high percentage of deaths uh, surrounding uh, obesity and the issue that we have the agricultural issues that we have um, then you know i'd have more time for it but i think it's lazy i think all this does is is push a, a virtue signaling Um, uh, agenda and and nothing else Um, and and the list goes on and on and on so the idea that the government aren't putting food um, you know on on the tables of people was simply not true and and from a children's perspective a child's perspective you know if parents still aren't feeding their children despite all of the issues and all of the support and the money that the government is giving then the sad reality is that they're probably not going to and that's an issue for social services um, so what's required here is a shift in priorities, not a shift in resources.
0: Then I just feel that I need to actually um, speak up for people who have a lived experience that is not that of the front page of the Daily Mail. I cannot believe some of the assumptions and the stereotypes that are talking there. Anyway, I, I know it's a union motion, but actually it's about food and it's about, poor, it's about poor children. It's about children who are the victims of a very complex situation, who are hungry so i welcome the motion um we are a rich country we do have noticeable increases in in people queuing up for food banks and i doubt they do it just for the lols um i i think this motion actually is a big picture one and i do want to mention a few things about that have happened on a local level because actually that is where we should be focusing as you've quite rightly said about the local children local families and i am not surprisingly going to focus on on children um actually the pandemic for me has just shone a light on inequalities were already there and it's forced us to deal with them and in a kind of emergency situation and in a sort of paradoxical sense it's been one of the silver linings of the pandemic very 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 quickly it became apparent that families in the city rely on school not just as a place of learning but a place to be fed Um, universal free school meals at key stage one and means tested free school meals through child's education are valued more than ever and I think it's an opportunity for us to have a rethink Um, from day one of lockdown uh, the provision of food has been a priority and it hasn't gone away um, one of the earliest decisions that was taken to ensure that the food banks were stock, stocked up. But actually, schools worked straight away with the council on identifying children who needed free school meals. Either they were taken to their houses or they came and did a grab and go thing. And that stayed as a key issue throughout the whole pandemic. A decision We made a decision at the earliest point, as you know, to provide the food vouchers for Christmas before Marcus Rashford did shame the government into doing a U-turn. Um, and we immediately pledged that, that that we would do the same at Easter if there was no u- further U-turn. And we also included early years and colleges at Christmas and now at Easter. And there was a very good reason for that is because actually families were identifying the fact that they, that, that was a lifeline to them. And it's not... It's not the stereotype that's being painted. I had so many people contact me. Um, I could give loads of examples, but somebody who owns their own house, whose child is in a private school with a scholarship, feeding 200 hungry kids said that without the vouchers over the summer holiday, she wouldn't have been able to afford it. She's she's got no cash to do that, but actually and really valued them. So it's not all the stereotype that's being made.
5: Others... Um, and I'm shocked that the Conservative groups obviously using this motion to outright wing each other in an attempt to push their own leadership credentials for the group, using a motion to attack the most vulnerable in society is a disgrace and I am disgusted. This motion
2: is about people. Thank you, Lord Mayor. So, that was the last um, motion that was before the Council. Um
1: Emotions running high it would seem. E-
2: emotions were definitely running high. Um, I think, um, yeah, it was because let's also remind ourselves that the context, what the motion actually calls for, is for the council to say that the review that's being done into what the um, what the UK food strategy is, it's calling for it to consider including a right to food. So it's not, yes. you know, it's not... I, I, I mean, for what it's asking for, I think it seemed, yes, of course, the, the prospect of um, anybody going hungry and certainly children um, going without food is something that I'd have thought everybody, and, and indeed everybody, expressed that concern that that wasn't something that they wanted to see. Yeah. Um. But it, it's just a real example of everybody seemed or the differing sides as it were have different views as to how you should address that and who is responsible for making sure that no child goes unfed
1: yeah and to be honest it it, it is it is one of the issues of the last six months particularly where it is used for political gold It, it, it is the you know, somebody stands up and says, look at the poor starving children, the children are starving. No, no one, no one's going to say good, are they? They're, they're going to, you know, uh, and when you start to talk uh, as, you know, that, that middle piece, when, when you start to lay out some of the truths and realities, you know, such as food is relatively the cheapest it's ever been in, in the whole of human history. You've got the ability to, you know, to purchase food cheaper than than you ever have. We've got measures around poverty, which are about relative poverty. And I think there is an element of if you look over the last period, you know, over recent history, more money than ever has been pushed towards the poorest in society. And it's right that it should have been. But to that point, will it ever be enough? and is it just too easy and i think terry norton used the word it's just lazy to to stand up and say children are hungry and it's all the government's fault and they need to sort it out by spending more money but to be fair that
2: that's not what the i mean obviously being a you know the the motion is calling on effectively it calls on the review to consider including a right to food it's not necessarily kind of dictating to a government spend of x amount of money or a particular thing. I just find it I just find it strange that the examples being used are situations where where it's almost like th- the the conversation and the focus of the issue is being railroaded. Um and the actual issue is whatever the reason whether that's because someone doesn't earn enough sadly or whether because there's um because there's trouble at home, because um, the parents have mental health issues, or because uh, because they're otherwise unwell, or because um, but so you they know, simply because got... don't know how to cook. Yeah, what, what, whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Those and on both sides there were there were both sides of the of the argument. There were people saying, look, the reasons for the cause were m- are multifaceted and aren't yeah. as simple as you should increase the benefits. And both sides then actually seem to get um want to make a point of saying, but I didn't say it was only about benefits, but actually. Both sides actually said it's not only about benefits; it's more complex than than actually yeah. something so simplistic. So for me, if there if, if there's any if there are people in this country, and if there are children that are in this country that are not getting the food that they need, I, I want that to be addressed, and that isn't just about throwing money at stuff, which seems to be the thing that that I think kind of raises the accles of the of the blue team um it's there's there's uh, if i don't know what the what the what the actual causes are i can't speak to what i think the solutions are but to say actually our societal aim should be that everybody has has decent food that it means that they're actually well nourished and that they're fed surely that's not a bad thing in the 21st century for the sixth richest country in the world to have
1: and, and and that's where it's an interesting because you touched on it on our second segment, mm. which is about not necessarily what you're trying to achieve, but the way in which you frame your objective. So I remember reading the motion before it was debated. Mm-hmm. And the, the the point for me in the way that that motion was framed was that as a conservative, I, I could not vote for that because the motion was framed in the we have so much spare money that everybody should have enough to eat all the time and the fact that we haven't is entirely down to the conservative government so we call upon this council to support a motion that says we should fix that and and it's the it's the framing of that that motion and and you heard the, the very emotional closing remarks of Tom Coles, which for me was, was the entire politicking around the, well, typical Conservatives, they want to steal the bloody bread off of children's plates. I'm appalled and disgusted. Well, that's not what anybody said. But there is an element of, from a political standpoint, this is a very, very useful tool. To try and create a point of differentiation between conservative fiscal prudence, and if we were in government, we would have fixed that by now. From members of the left,
2: um, I, th- I, th- I think there are. I mean, yes, the, La- the Labour group have put forward a motion that's worded in the way that the Labour group have obviously wanted it to be wanted to be written, because they're the ones that have written it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in in the same way that. The wording of the motion, if you're saying that was poisonous to the Conservatives, it's the same. It's the flip side of, and I'm just scratching from memory of a, of a recent example of a, of a similar sort of reaction. It's a similar kind of um, situation to everybody else's reaction to the Conservative motion uh, a few months ago um, that basically called on the council to say that it wouldn't work with... Um, groups like Extinction Rebellion. Um, because of actually the way that it was worded and what it, and, you know, fundamentally. Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah. I, I don't, and, I don't and think that, we... because it, Because the wording was attached about thanking our, you know, our veteran service personnel and, and respect yeah. to them, which, which, that bit, everybody, of course, everybody was going to bloody agree with. But because it was actually wrapped in this poison wrapping paper, everybody else found that a toxic thing to deal with. And this uh, so is what you're saying this is the equivalent of that for this is the kryptonite for for the conservatives uh, the conservatives yeah. aren't sitting and saying yes baby should starve they're not saying that no, they're no, just saying they're going to vote I, for something that says
1: yeah for yeah. For, for me the, the the conservatives that spoke spoke very eloquently about some of the different factors that are in play the complexities and i think it was councillor Stubbs who you know that there, there is a there has been a desire particularly from the hard labour left over the last five ten years, and you see it on social media, to paint a dystopian, broken Britain narrative. You know that is their, That has been there. That has been their narrative for at least the last five years, about inequality and poverty, and how everybody's having a terrible time of it, and it's all down to the Tories. So there is an element of, you know, th- this this amendment had all of those those bits of red glitter motion. across it and so naturally there was going to be a response so ultimately we need to find out i, I think i might be able to guess but i'm not going to i, I take it it wasn't uh, it wasn't unilaterally assumed by all
2: uh, no it wasn't it did the motion did pass um with 26 um voting for 12 against and three abstentions so, for me, the interesting call out was and whether it was intended or not, as that was that the Lord Mayor actually voted in this motion, whereas normally he, ab- he abstains. Um, and three of the Conservatives, abs- sorry, um, the th- of the three councillors that abstained, um, Frank Jonas and Scott Peter Harris abstained, if memory serves. So, I I, I just, I don't, I don't know. At the end of the day, it. I think it's a poor argument to say that people aren't really poor and there isn't really a need when there obviously is and people's lived experiences that there isn't if every and, and I don't I don't believe for a minute that people don't want to fix that so let's focus on fixing that instead of arguing over who said what and and points going on I don't know that's I,
1: I and look we there is an element of we, we all want it not to happen I think the challenge that we have uh, and I've discussed this infinitely online is defining what poverty is and defining what it looks like and defining what is a reasonable level of income that people quote unquote should be able to ensure that Mm. their children never go hungry.
2: But to be fair that's not what the question is to you know the fundamental question no, no, is I, money I, I, I get that money I, I, money in and of itself and you know we we could yeah sorry i'm gonna have to let's
1: yeah 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 no no look right to food should everybody be able to eat yes of course right but that but you know ultimately that that isn't a for that to be emotion in itself should everybody be able to eat uh yes uh, let's move on then but anyway we've done it 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 passed as we thought it would do mm-hmm. um or as i thought it would do along the lines that it it should have done and there there end of the council but do we have the finish time
2: uh so uh yes the it finished was it
1: half 10 oh um, i think that's me mm, was it i thought i said 10 43 I, I can't i can't remember I, I think can't we remember. Past,
2: Let's, past We'll 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 have to um have some independent adjudication on that or um or at least another vote. Um because I'm sure you didn't you know oh, what you yeah, were voting yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You,
1: so, you need to go on a march first. But um
2: if I wanted to go on a march I might fall foul of the legislation that see what we did there.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's
2: a segue, that is. It's it's amazing. It's almost like we prepare these things, which we really don't. Um, So the Police and Crime Bill that um, passed its second reading at
1: Parliament this week. It did, along somewhat partisan lines, it would have to be said. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the margin was 84, um, which uh, all of the Conservatives voted for it. Um, Everybody else voted against it. But it's an interesting. I, I think. I guess the first thing to say, and it, it's been boiled down to a, as all politics must be these days, it's been boiled down to a, a few shouty headlines. I don't know whether you read the full bill, Simon.
2: Um, I didn't read the full bill, but I looked at um, some of the key things that were that were kind of teased out um, from a, you know, from um, various media outlets or from the actual front page um, from the government's website. So yeah, it, I mean, it, I'd know. like
1: to say I'd read it. It's a three hundred and seven page bill. Yeah, a um, <laughs> lot of it in, in legally, really. So I thought I'd. Um, so like yeah. you, I went to the. <laughs> Give me the edited highlights.
2: So the, so the yeah so the the fundamental thing of the bill, and it does lots of other different things that may or may not be of interest. But I think the ones that have raised the most interest um, are, for example, that um, measures including the. Um, a 10 years up to a oh sorry excuse me an up to 10 years jail term on people who vandalise statues Yep. Um, to make sure that there's right of vehicular access to parliament so that any um, protests that take place can't stop people attending parliament in order to continue their business yep Um, and that um in line with what um, what arrangements need to take place for marches, that static protests um, require agreement um, from the police, um, and that they have the power to um, to basically um, deal with what is defined loosely defined as significant annoyance or, or disruption, um, and the Home Secretary um has the um, has the ability to decide and define what that is or indeed what other measures um would be um, needed in order to do that so the government um quite understandably says these things are necessary um if they didn't think they were necessary I guess they wouldn't be putting the bill uh, forward uh, whereas um, demonstrators, rights protesters and freedom of speech advocates are saying, hang on a minute, this gives the Home Secretary too too many sweeping legal powers. Um, It um, effectively allows the police to to consider that you're breaking the law if you're causing disruption or that you're too loud um, because there's also, they're allowed to set the volume of disruption Mm. Um, and that a disruption can be one person. It doesn't need to be a number of people. So if you think, if if I'm really honest and it kind of refers to it in the preamble to the bill, this bill is designed to stop activities like the protests carried out by Extinction Rebellion the year before last. It feels like, you know, um, and as an example, the sorts of protests by Steve Bray, who became well known across the country by shouting stop Brexit in earshot of every television station that was parked up on Parliament Square.
1: Yeah. Now, now, this is going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because we are whilst we have a left and right disparity in our relationship, we also have a slight authoritarian libertarian um Difference of opinion, as Jimmy Tarbuck would would have said. Um, so the bill itself, I find it's an interesting one for me because um, that stop Brexit shouty chap, Steve Bray. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I just no 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 outcome for him would have disappointed. I just. It was just so irritating. And in terms of being loud and annoying, I think somebody thought about him, stared into the middle distance while they were typing the bill. Um, So, yeah, there is an element of, look, the billing of itself. (sighs) I get what it's trying to achieve. And it's... And something needed to happen. Because the way in which the police are able to manage protests has changed. So there is an element of, if you are a protester now, your ability to cause disruption and to see no consequence of that is probably at an all time high.
2: I don't see that as a good thing.
1: What the ability to cause disruption, or N-
2: um, no, the ability for the state to define um, what is um, what type of disruption or what type of protest um, they're uncomfortable enough with to actually give people up to ten years um, sentences. I, d- I d- find it odd that you know we you know we're prioritizing the level of sentences for things like. Um, damaging statues, when you know, obviously, damage, um, criminal damage is already legislated against and is all is already a crime. Um, I, d- I don't quite understand how that's more important than addressing other parts of legislation where um, tariffs on convictions and indeed the levels of convictions seriously need addressing. And I'm not going to open that door because that's a whole other a whole other show. Yeah, that's a whole, that, but, that is a whole whole but, other podcast. But of from course. a point of view of the the thing that kind of occurs to my mind is that um would the women's vote with the suffragettes would would they have actually been able to protest under the basis that they caused disruption to businesses um and prevented and sorry um created inconvenience um while that's inconvenient and causes disruption for businesses um yeah, because actually, you know, their protest was a was a just and valid one, and civil disobedience is actually part of a of a healthy and functioning democracy. Well, um,
1: ab- ab- absolutely, but I think if you and but this is where I think the world has changed. So I think if you look at the the role of the suffragettes and you look at the they created civil disobedience. But there was a framework within law that meant that there were consequences to their actions. Right? And that's where I think it has changed. So if you have a situation, if you look at the situation now, there is an element of if you and I, and we got half a dozen of other, other of us that decided that we wanted to you know, bring Gunwolf to a halt, we could effectively lay down in front of the gates at gun wharf and with just half a dozen of us then we could bring gun wharf to a halt now effectively if we're just laying there on the ground the police's only opportunity to move us if we refuse is to try and physically carry us away whilst not hurting us or touching us inappropriately and there will be somebody with a camera videoing the police and every move they make, looking for them to make one false step so that they can claim police brutality or something inappropriate. So that's where the law stands at the moment in terms of the protesters. And in terms of what can happen to us for what we've done is that ultimately, you know, breach of the peace, there, there is no consequence to our actions. So at the moment, all the cards are held by the protesters.
2: But your example wouldn't change if the legislation changes because the mechanism of removing those people is the same.
1: Yes, but the, but the tariff that we can... The, the sentence that we can receive for our actions is no longer just breach of the peace, which is to be bound over not to do it again. There is a deterrent to, to creating those situations. If we go back and, and you know, it, it's not right... But ultimately, if you go back 30 years, if we would have laid down in the road causing a protest, the police would have grasped us in a very firm and and, and non, non-generous way and dragged us away forcibly.
2: So um, I always find it weird that your attempt at an example is it was worse in the past, so this isn't as bad as that.
1: No, and this is this is this is this is trying to, you know. For me, I always look at these things as scales. Well, you've well, got you've got the rule of law, and you've got the you've got the ability of people to protest.
2: Yeah, and and in a in a functioning democracy, people have the right to protest. People, yes. it's to be fair, um, it's an unrealistic expectation that you can go through life without inconvenience. So to to use an example that's that's you know that, that's quoted in the documentation from the government uh, about the bill to use the example the protests by Extinction Rebellion in London um, last not last year the the year before D- um, do I think that they were that they helped their cause by stopping trains moving and stopping people going to work no do I think um, that that's actually helped them get their message across no do I think it was a disruption yes do I think it should be illegal no. Because when you start making inconvenience illegal, any form of protest becomes something that you can you can then say is an inconvenience or a disruption, and yes, yep. that's the point of a protest. you can't just you know at the end of the day it you 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 need to get you know far, part of protest is being visible and being noticed, and sometimes that does require causing. Um, albeit usually mild inconvenience. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, a million odd people marching with blue flags through London and then having a um, a rather nice shindig in Parliament Square isn't isn't a massive level of disruption. Do the taxi now- drivers in central London agree that it's not a massive level of disruption? Probably not. They probably consider it a complete pain in the backside. But nonetheless, well- um, I just am really, really worried that the powers that this bill aims to give the Home Secretary and the powers that it gives the police to be able to define the level of disruption and to be able to actually effectively say this level or this type of protest isn't permitted. I think police officers deserve to be protected from um, malicious accusations that they've done something wrong and indeed especially protected from, obviously, people that seek to harm police officers. But protesters and the public also deserve to be protected from um, erroneous accusations from the police and indeed assault from the police. So um, I
1: don't... But that, that, that's where it becomes such a difficult area, Simon, isn't it? Because again, if you've ever tried to move an inert 15 stone man, It is not an easy job to do, even with two people doing the lifting and carrying. No,
2: it's not. It is a successful form of protest because lifting a dead weight is really difficult. But I don't understand how this change in legislation makes that any easier. They're not getting lighter because of this law.
1: No, no, it doesn't. But what it means is, rather than them just being able to be set aside to be bound over to keep the peace, there there is a significant custodial deterrent to doing that if if that's the way it goes and it's interesting you reference the extinction rebellion protest because if you remember some of those scenes from back in 2019 you actually had you know workers and commuters who were trying to get to work to do their job physically attacking the demonstrators who were attempting to to yes cause the disruption on the trains
2: um indeed and of course i'm not condoning that um those acts of aggression but i've already kind of said look i i Think it was the wrong. Yeah, it was the wrong but, mechanism to choose. It was the. It was the. You know, it was the wrong type of protest. The fact that people protest in different in ways that I wouldn't choose to do, yeah, is uh, part uh, is uh, part uh, of us living in a free society. That that's that's just that's just well, life.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And but again, the you touched on, to on the suffragettes. Illegal. You know, the, the the suffragettes were not adverse to to firebombing things and and breaking windows and and probably going fur much further um than than most mainstream protesters would today so the the bill has passed its second reading um it'll now head off to the house of lords i think the house of lords being whilst i'm not a great fan if i look at it in terms of something like this to provide a bit of cool head and scrutiny then i'm sure they're going to have a jolly good go at it before it comes back for um for its next
2: reading i'm sure what comes back will be completely different and um Objecting to protest is all well and good until you need to protest about something. And the, what's the saying about? You know, they came for the they came for the communists. So I wasn't a communist, so I didn't speak up. They, you know, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um when, yeah. they ca- when they came for me, there was no one left to speak up. I just find it an alarming and disturbing thing. I do believe that the police should get the support that they need in order to keep us all safe, but I don't think this is um, is what we should be doing and it isn't what we should be having in a, in a free democracy after all we're criticizing china for removing the right to protest in hong kong um, and we're, we're we're kind of doing the same thing
1: well it, it's a perspective i think we're possibly um we're, we're balancing the scales to the rule of law but um we were never going to agree on this one were we let's face it even though I tried. Balancing my zen by listening to a bit of Frank Turner while I was doing the research on this. Uh, poor old Frank's words of uh, libertarianism obviously haven't been enough for me. But um, you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris.
2: And I've been Simon Sansbury. Hello, man. Good night.
5: Well done, Lord
0: Mayor. Bye. Good night,
5: Lord Mayor. Good night.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, Feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics podcast.
0: Getting Pompey Politics podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon music. Alexa, stop. See?
2: It's easy.